I, I do think there's a lot of members who, uh, myself included, uh, although I don't consider myself a member, but whatever. Um, <laughs> a lot of people who they they look for what they want to hear. Like uh, I'm not gonna lie, when whenever I tune into conference out of you know morbid curiosity, I am looking to see like okay what 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 are they gonna say that pisses me off today? Yeah. Like and and that's maybe and not you'll find it. I mean that, that it's that's just confirmation bias. It's just yep. it, 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 the humans everywhere do that, do that, do that. But what uh, Elder Hamilton said was, the Lord operates through conditional if-then statements. Even God's love is subject to conditions. <laughs> I was I was done at that point. I was done, I was at, that done. at that point. I think it's the same way with God. I think He is like just. Like you're doing your best and I will accept that as long as you were trying, sincerely trying, um, or as, you know, TBMs like to say, they like to use the word striving. Um, as long as you are striving, I will, you know, I'll do the rest. It'll be okay. You know, and striving, striving and trying to what? To be the best version of yourself. Um, and you're not just, you know, coasting through life. I, I do, I do think that, God expects us to make an effort, a sincere effort. Um, that sounds like a condition, Zach. I was done, I was at, that done point. at that point. God damn it. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, uh, you, you got me there, Glenn. <laughs> This is Infants on Thrones. Baby steps. Who wants someone to preach to? The philosophies of men. I like magical toys. Who wants religion to Mingled with humor. I don't believe in them. There will be many willing to preach to you the philosophies of men mingled with humor. We are evolving. Baby steps. You can buy in this world of money. the good in everything look for the people who will set your soul free it always seems impossible until it's done look for the good in everyone all right welcome back to infants on thrones i'm glenn osland and this is episode 797 I'm not quite sure what I'm going to call this one because I could go Confessions of a Millennial Pimo Nomo or Confessions of a Millennial Pomo. You know, but Pimo being physically and mentally out, talking with Zach, uh, who I talked to uh, last August in episode 743. And uh, some things have changed for Zach over the last several months. He's no longer a physically in, mentally out Pimo Millennial. He's just kind of an out, uh, a physically out, mentally out. So I, I don't know if I go POMO or if I go PIMO NOMO. So we'll figure out how I title this episode. But it was a really nice conversation with him. I really like Zach. Uh, I, I can see him working his way, trying to make sense of certain things that uh, I can relate to. I certainly have gone through similar types of uh, you know, things I cared about that I learned about as a Mormon and things that were hard to let go and things that began to change and morph and it was just a fascinating conversation getting to know Zach 
uh, as he struggled with some of the messages that came from this last conference. It was just a really nice conversation, and I'm happy to share it with you starting now. So, hang on, on to your hats and glasses, because this here's the wildest ride in the wilderness. So I got to tell you, tonight is game five of the Phoenix Suns in the playoffs, and that's a big deal to me. Oh, so, wow. So for me to be here with you right now is an even bigger deal. I hope you appreciate that. I do. And I'm not saying that to guilt you at all. Do not feel guilty <laughs> by that. <laughs> I'm just saying, hey, it's good to see you again. How you been? Likewise, good. Man, crazy busy. Um, yeah. Are you a Phoenix Suns fan then? Of course. I have been since I was a kid. Nice. My dad, my dad was a photographer for the Phoenix Suns when I was Boy. little. Yeah. He, he had Wilt Chamberlain following him once. I, he tells me that story every time we talk about it. <laughs> Claim wow. to fame. Wilt Chamberlain fell on him while he was taking pictures. And then he said, you probably want to move back a little bit. He oh my God. That story. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I've been, a, I've been a Phoenix Suns fan my entire life. And yeah, it's two games to two right now. They've been kind of beat up by the new orleans pelicans and we'll see what happens tonight but, wow. yeah but you've been up you've been beat up a little bit too haven't you zach by the general authorities and oh my goodness yeah the, the last time we talked i don't remember how long ago it was but the confessions of a millennial pimo is that what i called it <laughs> yeah that was it <laughs> good title <laughs> and that, and what i remember that was that you you really you you want you you want the general authorities to be these really great examples of goodness and like a voice and a mouthpiece of God. And so when there's things that they do that aren't that, it's quite frustrating to you. Am I reading that right, Zach? That's absolutely right. All right. So tell me what's going on. Yeah. I mean over the I don't know if it's been a year since we talked or or maybe more or less I can't I can't remember um but I've gradually just kind of lost confidence um in those people um it's at the point where I I don't know if I'd even and, and I'm sure that you know your listeners are probably nodding their heads right now like this is the natural progression like there's only there's only four listeners anymore, Zach. So you don't need to worry oh. about that. This is just, <laughs> nice. We used to have dozens and dozens, and now there's like four or five. But okay, you're one of them. So nice. Well, I I don't know if I would call myself uh, Pimo anymore. I mm. I mean I can't I can't get rid of my records because um, that's just the arrangement that my wife and I have. And uh, but I I'm not I I don't really consider myself a a member anymore if that makes really? any sense okay yeah. well so it was august 2nd that uh our that episode came out so it's, it's not quite been a year so you've had um in the last I don't know, eight months maybe yeah this this shift yeah that's so how are you how are you dealing with it i mean it, i'm not angry um i we actually put we put on a plaque the um, the uh, habits of acceptance that, that we, you and I went over. Oh, yeah. um, hold on. It's right here. Let's see. Yeah. Seven caring habits, supporting, encouraging. Oh, yeah. Cool. Oh, nice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, we got yeah, it that, in the hallway. <laughs> yeah, that that's so uh, that that's from William Glasser, um, yeah. who was a therapist. Um, yeah, yeah, that that stuff was really impactful for me. So, so has it replaced the proclamation of the family, or is it hanging up right next to it? Oh, we don't have a proclamation okay, in our house. Right. Yeah, I figured you wouldn't want one of those. <laughs> <laughs> we do have a picture of the LA Temple because okay. it's a beautiful building, and um, I have fond memories of being there. But um, yeah, it's it's super interesting. It's Sarah is she's still in. Um, I don't really affiliate myself with the organization um, just because they've kind of blown it, in my opinion. Uh, it's. I'm not angry, but you know, I can't, I cannot, um, keep going back to the abuser. Mm. You know, there comes a point where it's like, no, this is hurtful to me and to others and gospel principles. Absolutely. 100% still believe in them, but I'm not going to enable you. You see what I'm saying? Yeah, I do. You're, you're using language of abuse and enabling. I, I see that. Yeah. Ha, ha. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so I'll in full transparency, Zach, I, I, I struggle with this because I, I know that, that people are in different places in their faith exit. And I know that there are certain predominant narratives that are out there in the ex-Mormon podcasting world about how the Mormon church is the big bad abuser. And, uh, you know, I, I, I don't disagree that there is abuse, but I feel like holding on to that story uh, is disempowering to, yeah. to, to people. So I, yeah, I, I might challenge and push back on that. If I do, I don't mean to minimize any of the suffering that you've had because um, I, you know, I, I imagine that your situation is similar to mine was where you're just born into this religion and you're taught from a certain age and you just believe that this is it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and why wouldn't yeah. you? Cause that's what you're told. And there's, there's all kinds of things that happen that we're conditioned to um, trust the authority figures and to shut off our own uh, trust in ourselves. You know, if, if our yep. intuition is telling us to do something different than what the leaders are doing, then we must be wrong and they must be right. And so to me, that's definitely an act of violence and abuse um, that, that happens. But I think like once you reach a point of recognizing that it's happening and knowing I can turn that around. I don't have to give my power away to the Mormon church anymore. That at that point, that's when I would like to see the narrative shift that the Mormon church is no longer abusing, even though it might have happened in the past, but really what happened as a result of that abuse is it kind of woke me up to my own power that I didn't know that I had. I wasn't told that I, I was told that I had the power to obey the power yeah. to follow, <laughs> but what about the power to create? Um, mm-hmm. And uh, you know, you you mentioned there are certain gospel principles that you still uh, believe in and still form values uh, for you. So um, you know, cr- creating those things that are really important to you. Anyways, I'm getting on my my soapbox and I'm preaching about something that I don't even know if you're interested in right now. You wanted to talk about general conference. Oh yeah, no, this is great though, and super important. I th- I think it's it's really easy to put it in a box, you know, and just say the church is bad, you know. But it's so much more nuanced than that. And I think people are um, we're able to a lot of us control our reactions to things and uh, move past things. And so I I mean I agree. I, I think it's important to keep it all in perspective. And 
you know, I'd be, I would be incredibly ungrateful if I just threw it all down the garbage disposal and said it was all bad. I mean, my mission made me bilingual in mm. English and Spanish. You know, yeah. I had a lot of great life experiences from that. So there's still a lot that that's what makes it so hard, right? It's because it's had such an imprint yeah. on, pe on people's lives. Yeah. You can't just be like, well, screw all of this. Like there's, <laughs> there's a little bit where it's like, well, I, I'm holding on to some of, some of these souvenirs I've picked up along the way, even if I don't want to go to Disneyland anymore, you know? Yeah. <laughs> like, right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, so um, what, what was your experience with general conference that made you reach? Cause I remember you, you, you wanted to reach out. I think it was, it might've even been in October for general conference that you wanted to do something, but your wife didn't want you to come on and talk. Was that it? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Right. Yeah. Um, because Holland gave this talk about musket fire. Oh, I um, remember that. Oh, that was with, that was like the BYU assembly. Yep. Yeah. 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 And, and I told Sarah, I'm like, man, I would love to talk to Glenn about this. And she's like, well, let's just wait and see if anything else horrible happens. And then we'll go from there. And then conference happened. So I'm like, well, and she was horrified too. I had a lot of family and friends, some of them like really TBM. They're like, what is happening? Like I was getting so many texts during conference from people that live in Utah and, and Idaho and all these places where, you know, traditionally they agree with stuff. And they're like, Zach, this is weird, man. Like what, mm. what are they saying? I'm like, well, I can tell you what I think they're saying. <laughs> are, you are you talking about this last conference? This most recent conference. Okay. All right. Yep. So I, um, I've, I've only listened to one conference talk and it's the one that I did the, the SmackDown on because there was that meme, um, you know, the Neil L. Anderson talk. So I, I'm, I'm mm -hmm. not really prepared as far as like knowing what the content was, but um, I'd, I'd love to hear what your reaction was to any of it and talk about okay. that. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, and these two talks that I've got here, um, mm. if we just go through yeah some quotes and... I, I start i started looking at that uh tad one <laughs> oh my god in fact i, I started recording myself reading it because i'm like i'm gonna do a little smackdown with it and <laughs> i got like a couple of paragraphs in i'm like why am i doing this to myself because I, I i i felt my i felt myself getting like worked up and frustrated and it's so bad and i'm like why am i why am i doing that like maybe because the, then I can share some insights with people on a podcast. I don't know, but is it really worth it to me to put myself in that position where I'm uh, just getting so frustrated and feeling like I wish I could correct this guy, but I know that I right, can. right, right. I know that I can. It's just like this impotent rage. So, so then I just kind of like turn it inwards. And so, what, what, what can I correct in myself if I need to correct anything in myself? And I don't know. But yeah, so I'm interested to hear. Yeah, for sure. Well, I, yeah, I totally agree with what you said. I think I I'm trying to fix things inwardly as well. And there's not a whole lot that can really be fixed. I think last time we talked, it's like, I want to try and change the church. I mean, mm -hmm. that, that ship has sailed. Uh, there's, there's a lot of people that, you know, interact with me and they see me as an inclusive person. And sometimes I'll be at church watching the kids. I'll attend very infrequently, mostly just to help with babysitting. And mm -hmm. um, I'm there for people who feel ostracized and, you know, all that. But um, most Sundays I have shows now, so it's, it's, mm. it's hard to go. It's a good excuse. It's a nice excuse. Yeah. Yeah. But I did manage to watch conference. Um, I watched, I don't know, maybe five or six talks um, just out of morbid curiosity. And then I was rewarded with 
horror and just being appalled at everything that I saw, but um, we could start with Oaks. Um, I don't know why he loves to talk about gay marriage so much. Um, <laughs> he like it's like every other talk is like, yeah, the Lord's standard will never change, and here are ten you know Roman numerals explaining why. It's like, dude, like yeah. find a new topic. You know? <laughs> but, they're not about finding new topics. They're, no, they're not. <laughs> no, it's it's you get your neural pathway a certain way, and then you like freeze it in carbonite and don't change it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I have this theory, and this is just me being cynical, but I think that the LGBT community has become something for the church to rally against. Yeah. Um, and maybe that's cynical, but it, it gives them, it, it, it forces their narrative, you know, and it, it, so, it reinforces the narrative because there's, yeah. you know, the, there's this narrative of persecution and the church has received so much pushback because of their uh, reaction and response to just what's happening in the world. And yeah. um, so that's being interpreted through this filter of, oh, well then, like what's the, what's the scripture that says that um, blessed are you? I think this is in the Beatitudes, like blessed are you when you're, persecuted um in 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 my name for my sake oh, yeah you know uh -huh. and and so like they're like okay great yeah we're getting persecuted on here so we, we must be on to something here and then there's the whole morality <laughs> thing uh, you know like it, uh, yeah i yeah yeah it is, yeah. It is. <laughs> it is what it is yeah it's what it is I'll try to be fair though. And, and some of these quotes that are good, you know, I'll try to um, point out the good things while we're um, going through, but um, yeah, I could just start at the top and we can go down the, the, the quotes and just talk about them if you want. Sure. That works. Yeah. Okay. So there's three boxes. This is from church news. So to help us develop the godly attributes and the change in nature necessary to realize our divine potential, the Lord has revealed doctrine and established commandments based on eternal law. I mean, it's very well written. It reads like, like a, you know, like a court justice. Do you, do you, <laughs> do you believe that statement? Let me look at it again. Uh, develop the godly attributes, change in nature necessary to realize the divine potential or is revealed. So to, to go along with any of this, you have to believe in God. Uh, otherwise, it just goes in one ear and out the other. I, I do believe in God, so there's a certain amount of this that I agree with. Do you believe that God has decreed certain rules that must be followed or else? I think so. I mean, you know, don't kill people, don't commit adultery. I mean, those are commandments, right? Um, I believe in those for sure. Okay. Don't bear false witness, you know love other people, love God, that kind of stuff. Sure. Okay. So, so read that quote again to me. Okay. To help us develop the godly attributes and the change in nature necessary to realize our divine potential. The Lord has revealed doctrine and established commandments based on eternal law. Okay. So, so mostly you agree with that. I don't think there's anything problematic with that quote, honestly. Okay. All right. <laughs> um, let's see. Kingdom of glory we receive in the final judgment is determined by the laws we choose to abide in our Heavenly Father's loving plan. I do have a problem with this quote. Um, read it a little more slowly. 
Okay, it says the kingdom of glory we receive uh, in the final judgment is determined by the laws we choose to abide in our heavenly father's loving plan. <laughs> okay. So yeah, we're already one quote in. I'm like, no. <laughs> so, so what is it about this quote that you have an issue with? So it's the subtext, which could be interpreted different ways. Um, but whenever I hear anybody talking about kingdoms of glory, I'm transported back to this Sunday school lesson that I had when I was a kid, where they're like, once you, it's, it's like a dead end. Once you go to a kingdom, that's it. Like mm -hmm. you got third place. Sorry. You should have worked harder. This is mm -hmm. what you get. Have fun. Like I personally, and, and I have some family members that feel this way too. I believe if there is three kingdoms of glory, which there may not be. Um, I believe in this, this idea of kingdom hopping, you know, if, if you, if you, maybe if there were some circumstantial things, uh, or if you feel really bad in the next life and you want to progress, you can, because God is all about progression. So whenever I see quotes that are like, and this is the end of it. Thanks for playing the game of life. Here's your ribbon. Here's your, you know, silver trophy or your bronze trophy. And, you know, you should have gone to church more. You should have kept more command. Like, I don't really buy that. I, I think God is more about, you know, allowing people to progress in the next life. That's just a personal belief that I have. Okay. But. Yeah. So, so the part of that quote that, um, that you, you take issue with is how restrictive and, and rigid it is, yeah. uh, you know, where if you imagine eternity stretching out where there's no beginning and there's no end. And then you've got like this mortal probationary period, which is a little teeny tiny speck of sand in an expansive sea of eternity that your position through all of eternity is determined by how well you uh, behave in this little teeny tiny speck when you're blindfolded and you don't really know anything and right. you've got all of the, the, the deck stacked against you um, with all of your urges, <laughs> you know, just like human nature and the natural man, which is an enemy to God, that it just doesn't seem to really uh, sit well with you that right. a, a God would um, restrict you because of that, that, that you feel like within this eternal realm, that there's continual progress and growth and experience it's not just yeah this this is it it's one of my biggest problems with mormonism is is people have this they think it's so great they're like isn't it great that that people aren't going to go to hell there's three places you can go isn't that wonderful mm -hmm. and i'm like okay but let's deconstruct that what you're saying is you can only be with your family if you are in the top place and frankly, there's nowhere else I would rather be than with my family, with my spouse and my kids. Mm. So that's wonderful that we're not all going to burn in, in hell. But if you're saying that unless I abide by what, what is being dictated, I won't ever see my family again, that is hell yeah. as far as I'm concerned. Um, and if you're saying that it's a dead end, if you don't meet certain criteria, I don't know. I, I, I don't, I don't like that. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. What, so, why do you think the church placed, and especially Oaks in this case, places such emphasis on, um, you know, but when, 
when you reach the final judgment, the, the verdict is going to depend on the choices that you made in this life. What, 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 what's the payoff? What's in that for him to take that kind of a stance? Well, I, I don't know. I mean, not to be too crude, but I, I think it retains membership through, through fear. I think it, it does keep people in because it's, it's like, you better, you know, shape up or, or, you know, bad things are going to happen. You know, it's, I have, I have a friend who used to be Jehovah's witness and they showed me some of their pamphlets. It's like, Oh man, like people running from lava flow and stuff mm, like that. Right. So yeah, I think that is part of it, but I also do as, as the optimist in me wants to believe that a lot of these guys genuinely care and they don't want people to, mm. um, there, there's a really great musical playing on Broadway right now called a strange loop. Mm. Um, have you, have you heard of it or I have not? No. Oh, yeah. It's so good. I mean, it's definitely not for kids, but it um, it's about a guy who's writing a musical and he's writing a musical about a guy writing a musical. So it's like a loop. Like <laughs> that's what they yeah. call it. But uh, there's a whole song about um, it's called periodically. And it's a song about a, a dad who has a gay son. And he's saying he doesn't want his son's soul to be wasted. And he wants him to repent, not for him, the dad, but so that his kid can see Jesus. Um, he genuinely cares about his kid, even though he's being incredibly manipulative. And Hey, we lost our connection there. There you go. All right. Where did we leave off? Um, you were describing the uh, plot of that musical on Broadway, and you were saying something about being manipulative. Oh, yeah. So the, uh, the father in the musical is reaching out to his son and saying that he wants him to repent, not for, the, for him, the dad, but so that uh, his son can see Jesus. He doesn't want his soul to be wasted. Um, and wants him to repent, not because of fear, but because of love. And I, I think that is a place that a lot of LDS leaders are coming from. Even, even if they're hurtful, I, I do think a lot of them are well-intentioned still. I, I agree with that. Mm -hmm. I, yeah, I'm, I'm, glad you, I'm glad you mentioned that. Uh, because I, I think it's really easy to look at it and go, oh, it's this reason. As if right. it's not like a composite of many, many, many things that are right. going on. Yeah. Um, I, I I do think that um, the, the rise of the priesthood itself um, was really a, a, a defining moment in early Mormonism uh, that it, it, it created almost, I, I remember having this conversation with my sister and brother-in-law many, many years ago, before they left the church, we were, we were driving out to the, the rededication of the San Diego temple. So whatever year that was, mm. however long ago that was. Um, and uh, I was, I, I was going through my slow burn out of Mormonism where I was deconstructing and challenging. And I was asking questions about priesthood and, you yeah. know, like I didn't really understand if, if there is an atonement and Jesus died for everybody's sins uh why do we need the priesthood blessings? Like, why do we need that stuff? Like, didn't the atonement already cover that? What, what is the need for it? And I couldn't really understand it. I couldn't really um, make any sense of it, except that if, if the church members, if the authorities say, 
you can't get this unless you go through us. Right. Then there is like, it's, it's basically saying it's, it's validating their role. <laughs> like you, you, you need to listen to us as your leaders because we have this power over your eternal salvation. So <clears throat> listen to us. And it, it really makes them feel big and important and right. sets up this whole, um, incentive system to be be big and important too and um yeah when, when i started deconstructing the the priesthood um that was that was a huge uh, shift for me interesting yeah so so when when oaks um stands up and says something like that quote that you shared i i think i agree with you i i do think that he cares and he wants people to not have to suffer and he's um convinced himself over the years that this is the way to do it. But I, I also think that there is a huge part of this that is an ego stroke for him. Oh yeah. Others, you know, for that, sure. That, you know, like <laughs> I'm standing up here. I can't do, Oaks, but, <laughs> you know, it's pretty good. You should listen. Hey, his son, Dallin Oaks jr. Was, uh, I took a linguistics class from him at BYU. Oh, I really boy. liked him. He was nice. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, some of these guys are really nice. I mean, even even uh, Brad Wilcox, who got in some hot water uh, yeah. for things he said. I, yeah. I know him personally. He and I have talked a little bit. And he he was just so embarrassed from what I could tell. Um, I mean, he issued a, an apology. And I mean, I man, you got to be so careful what you say now in today's world. I, I think a lot of these guys, they think because they're apostles or or 70s or whatever they are they can just say whatever they want and now they're realizing in 2022 oh wait so apostles can get canceled too you know <laughs> like it's it's a real thing it's it's crazy you know so i i and it it blows my mind how much more pushback there is now in the information age um than i think there was um even when I was growing up, you know, like people just accepted what was said a lot more, I think. Yeah. But yeah, I, I listened to that Brad Wilcox. I toyed with doing, I, I don't think I did a SmackDown. I may have, I don't remember. I, I remember no. thinking about it and watching it and spending some time with it. And I, I just thought, I, I can see why, you know, things that he said could be problematic, but it really feels like making a mountain out of a molehill. Like it, it, yeah. it just seemed like a, an overreaction on the side of the outrage. Um, now I'm going to get canceled, but <laughs> that's how I felt about it. Like, like I would love to live in a world, Zach, where everyone respects everybody else's opinion, even when we're wrong. And, and like, we're all humble. <laughs> we all recognize, like, I don't really know everything that I think that I know. And you've got something that I can learn from. Yeah. And um, I'm going to, I'm going to explain to you the way that I see things. Yeah. And I'd like to hear from you how you see things. And I expect that there's going to be differences and let's explore those differences in a spirit of curiosity. And, and maybe we'll get there. Um, that's what I'm trying to, to be for mm -hmm. me. But yeah. Yeah. Well, he even says that in, in the talk. He, uh, let's see. He says, as followers of Christ, we should love our fellow men. We should live peacefully with those who do not believe as we do. I mean, 100% agree. I mean, that's incredibly well stated. Yeah. So doing that is another thing entirely, but <laughs> I'm glad he said it. I mean, yeah. that's, 
I, I do think there's a lot of members who, uh, myself included, uh, although I don't consider myself a member, but whatever. Um, <laughs> a lot of people who they, they look for what they want to hear. Like, uh, I'm not going to lie when, whenever I tune into conference out of, you know, morbid curiosity, I am looking to see like, okay, what, what, what are they going to say that pisses me off today? Yeah. Like, and, and that's maybe and not you'll find it. I mean, that, that it's, that's just confirmation bias. It's just yep. it, it, the humans everywhere do that. Yep. You, we all find what we're looking for. Yeah, we do. We do. So yeah, Sarah, she's so nice. She says, I'll, I'll tell you what they said that wasn't stupid and you don't have to. <laughs> like, all right, cool. <laughs> so, um, do, do, does the things that she thinks are not stupid, are they the same things that you think are not stupid? We're a lot more aligned now. I, I think a lot both of us are frustrated with how um, women in the church are treated still yeah. Yeah. in 2022. Yeah. Um, it's kind of ridiculous. Yeah. Um, I, I, I don't remember if it was from this talk, but there, there was a talk that, that talked about homogenizing the differences in roles between men and women. And I'm like, are you kidding me? That sounds like something they'd say in the 70s. I mean, but mm. it's 2022 and people, leaders are still raising eyebrows at women that work outside the home. It's like, come mm. on, you know, like mm. it's, we're, we're further ahead in history than that. At least most of us are, but yeah. um, I can read you. There's one more quote. This is the one I really had a problem with. Uh, it says, those who do not fully understand the father's loving plan for his children may consider the proclamation no more than a changeable statement of policy. Uh, in contrast, are you talking about the proclamation of the family. Yeah. My favorite document. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and he says, in contrast, we affirm the proclamation founded on unchangeable doctrine defines the kind of family relationships where the most important part of our eternal development can occur. So I, I listened to this talk and I turned to Sarah and I'm like, unchangeable. Uh, so polygamy is just we're just going to pretend that that didn't happen. What, what's going on with this unchangeable? I, I mean, if he's talking about unchangeable from the moment the proclamation was issued, okay, I guess. But I don't know. This whole unchangeable thing is a, it's a, <laughs> it's a moving target. I think. <clears throat> yeah, yeah. It, it it's dogma. It it's rigidity. Yeah. It's just it's it's interesting to me. Like I, I think didn't Brigham Young didn't he teach like monogamy is a sin. <laughs> or something I like i think so like there will never be another uh i don't know what he said i'm paraphrasing but it was something like the polygamy is the gold standard and if you do anything else you're an idiot like but now in 2022 they're saying the gold standard is monogamy and if you do anything else you're an idiot and it's like <laughs> which is it <laughs> you know um I don't, I, I've never, I've never been able to get a good answer on that question from, from anybody. They're just like, well, just have faith. I'm like, let's. <laughs> it, yeah. a, a good answer for what question? What's the question? Oh, the question being if, if. Because now I want to give you a good one. I, you know, like the gauntlet has been thrown. Yeah, yeah. let's do it. <laughs> so, so it's like, if they're saying that the doctrine of the family is unchangeable, then why has it changed? Why, why was polygamy initially the only thing that was supposed to be what gets you into celestial kingdom initially? And they said that was unchangeable at the time. But now they're saying only man and woman and that's it. Mm. It's unchangeable. That's the doctrine. 
you know, it, but, but that, but that doesn't really sit well with you because that word unchangeable, you look at, it and you go, but there have been changes. So you're like, why are you using the word unchangeable? Right. How do right? we reconcile that? Hmm. So, so what would a good answer be for you? For me? Yeah. Uh, it's bullshit. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's, I mean, that's kind of how. So I you're see. saying, you're saying that, that because you, you kind of recognize that it's bullshit. And when you ask right. other people in the church, what they think about it, none of them have told you that they think that it's bullshit. So right. then you're like, nobody's given me a good answer. Yeah. No, okay. I've not, not one person has mm-hmm. ever. And the answer that I am given is always, well, just have faith, you know, doubt your doubt. Yeah. <laughs> right. Cognitive dissonance. Yeah. 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 <laughs> well, whatever, whatever president Oak said is true. So don't, you know, it couldn't not be true. Mm-hmm. It couldn't be bullshit. It's it, it, we can't figure out why it's true. And we're just going to, uh drive ourselves crazy trying to make it you know consistent and so let's just have faith and not right that's the response you've been getting right but then at the same time i'll try and keep this vague um, but as we've gone through covid uh there have been lots of statements from the church about appropriate ways to handle covid Mm. you know and lots of pushback from Mm. members uh, who are normally like follow the prophet follow the prophet except on this one thing that differs mm. with how I see the world. Yeah. You know, like there's another thing that doesn't make any sense to me. It's like, but you're picking and choosing now. Like yeah. <laughs> it's interesting. Yeah. I, I would love to, to understand. I mean, I can't read minds, but I would love to understand the thought process or lack thereof um, with the way people are approaching those, those issues. Um, you know, cause I am the same way. I mean, now I just kind of don't really believe anything that the prophet says, unless, unless it aligns with my worldview, then I'll be like, all right, at a boy. Good. Like, <laughs> I got a question for you, Zach. Yeah. What's up? But before, but before you learn how to read other people's minds, <laughs> how good are you at reading your own? Oh, wow. Um, I think I might be better at understanding other people than myself. Honestly, <laughs> I'm kind of a mess. <laughs> But that's another story. Yeah, that's kind of like where it's all at for me right now. It's like, <laughs> okay, yeah, what what is my mind on this? Because I know there's there's so much in in my unconscious mind that I'm not aware of that drives a lot of what I do. Right. I just don't know. So like trying to understand it, yeah, it's hard. Well, maybe that's a good way to have sympathy for others. If if they're, I mean, God knows that you know, this, these last two years have done a number on everybody's um, psyche or whatever. So I maybe just having a little bit of compassion for ourselves and for others. Yeah. Um, Yeah. That's always a good thing. And and there are, there are um, theories when it comes to uh, mind and psychology that when that, what we project out onto others is really a reflection of what our own mind is and doing so like when we're judging somebody like if you're looking at um one of these quotes and you're saying the word unchangeable i've got a problem with the word unchangeable that 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 says something about how your mind works that says something about something that is unconscious within you that you have a problem with why are you saying that it's unchangeable when it's not really unchangeable i see evidence of it being changeable but you're saying that it's not unchangeable and you're kind of struggling with that yeah. And then that struggle gets projected onto the, the general authorities. They're doing things wrong. Other people are doing wrong. Yeah. Um, and um, 
Yeah, I, I like turning that inquiry inward now. It's become one yeah. of my favorite things. It's healthy. Yeah. yeah and, and like seeing other people as a mirror and going, oh, the way that I'm responding to this person right now, that's telling me a little bit about myself. It's, it's telling me about the things that I'm having some issues with. And so it, on that issue of um, changeable or unchangeable, what, what do you think you would need in order to feel at peace? Um, in order to feel at peace. Well, I think part, part of it is just accepting that maybe some things are unchangeable. Mm. You know, they, they say death and taxes are the only things you can count on. Mm. Those things are unchangeable. Uh, I I don't think that taxes are quite as inevitable. (laughs) Yeah, that's true. That could be changed. That could be. Yeah. (laughs) But everybody dies at some point. That's I think we can, that is one thing I think most people can agree on nowadays is that everybody's going to die. Um, so I don't know, maybe making a list of things because I don't like the word unchangeable. I'm a kind of guy that, you know, I'm an actor. I like to create. I like to have, you know, I don't like boundaries. I like right. to experiment. And so unchangeable just, it, it's, it just rubs me the wrong way. Um, but I think realizing that there are things in life that are unchangeable, like, um, the fact that, I don't know, my, <laughs> the fact that I am a singer, that is unchangeable. It's like part of my identity. It's part of who I am. That's never going to change. Right. I will always identify with that. Um, the fact that I like bacon, that's unchangeable. That's never going to change. <laughs> you know. So, And those are good things that are unchangeable. So unchangeable doesn't have to be bad Mm. maybe well i i i like that when i asked you um what would it take for you to find peace the first word that came out of your mouth was acceptance Mm. yeah and Mm. you know whether you're accepting that some things are changeable or you're accepting that some people are going to call things unchangeable that really aren't unchangeable or, you know, other people are going to be wrong. Other people are going to do this. Uh, things are the way that they are. You know, that, that acceptance, I think is a, a really important thing when it comes to creating peace. And it's hard to do because when there's things yeah. that we see mm-hmm. that uh, just rub us the wrong way, it's really hard to accept it. Well, yeah, there was only one quote that I wanted to give you from uh, elder Hamilton's talk. Um, we can throw that into the mix and then if you want, we can just mull over all this stuff. But this, this quote was, this was what pushed me over the edge where I just turned off the TV. And if we didn't have such a nice flat screen TV, I would have thrown something at it. Um, really? but wow. yeah, this was, I was, I was livid when he said this, he, and what's interesting is if you look at the church news, they've changed the wording, the wording on the church news is actually a little bit sanitized. It's different from what he said in, in person, in the recording. Um, or the live recording of conference. Um, so, cause I think there were complaints, but what uh, elder Hamilton said was the Lord operates through conditional, if then statements, even God's love is subject to conditions. <laughs> I was, I was done at that point. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Why, why were you done at that point? Well, I mean, it, it first of all, it, it validates the very hard lines church members because they always say it that way that god is you know only loves you if you do x y and z 
And also, I, I personally feel like that conflicts with what the church actually teaches, which is that God is a loving, merciful God, and he loves you no matter what. There's so many Uchtdorf talks and Holland talks about no matter what you've done, there's always hope, and God always loves you. And But here, Elder Hamilton is saying literally the opposite thing. And it's I see a conflict in doctrine there. It, mm. it's, it, it was almost like he was up there teaching false doctrine in that talk or maybe he was actually <laughs> saying what they really believe instead of uh obfuscating that could be <laughs> you know like we we said that god loves everyone and that it's not conditional but the hmm. way that we act is conditional right well and i i picked this apart with with one of my friends who's who's very tbm i think it's healthy to have a couple of those and i'm like dude so help me understand this and he's like well love is not the same thing as consequences and i'm like okay help help me and more and we're getting there what, what do you mean he's like well your kids <clears throat> you love them but you will still impose consequences if they misbehave uh and that clicked for me a little bit more but i don't like framing it you know as a love thing you know because saying that love is conditional. I mean, my love for my kids is not conditional. Um, they'll annoy the hell out of me sometimes, but I, I still love them. Um, and the way that uh, Hamilton framed it, it's like, God will only love you if you do this, this, and this. And I, I just, I think that's a really dangerous way to frame it. <clears throat> what did, what did they reword it to? Um, they, they said the Lord operates through conditional if then statements and then just left off the part about love is conditional. They, oh. that was completely scrubbed from the online text. <clears throat> I think they were hoping people wouldn't notice, but I noticed. <clears throat> wow. <clears throat> yeah. And then it begs the question, like, why did they remove it? You know, did they remove it because it was embarrassing to the church or because they knew it was wrong or <laughs> they just want to pretend it didn't happen? I don't, but yeah. I, I have yet to see a quote that that damning, you know, in a long time. It's just like this is just flies in the face of everything the church claims to stand for. I mean, you want to call yourself a, a Christian loving church and then you say something like that. And uh, those talks have to go through lots of revisions and approvals and vetting. And so the first presence, he must have approved that he said yeah. that, you know, what, what, what do you think God's love is? Well, I, I can tell you what I like to think it is. I, I might be wrong. Um, you can't be I, wrong about what you think it is. Oh, that's true. Um, <laughs> I, I think it's it's way more than we can comprehend. Yeah. Because um, we are so much harder on ourselves than we are on others. So I think it's the same way with God. I think he is like just like you're doing your best. And I will accept that as long as you were trying, sincerely trying. Um, or as, you know, TBMs like to say, they like to use the word striving. Um, as long as you are striving, I will, you know, I'll do the rest. It'll be okay. You know, and striving, striving and trying to what? To be the best version of yourself. Um, and you're not just, you know, coasting through life. I, I do, I do think that God expects us to make an effort, a sincere effort. Um, that sounds like a condition, Zach. God damn it. <laughs> well i uh you, you got me there glenn <laughs> <laughs> i'm just i'm just curious about where where you are on this with with um 
so so god's love is is like how would a person know that they are being loved by god i think in their darkest moment if they are still well some of us especially sarah and i struggle with anxiety even when it's our darkest moment sometimes we don't feel love but um if we at some point are able to feel peace even in bad situations or if we've made bad choices i think that's an indication that god still loves us um and i think it's being able to differentiate between love and hey i have these high expectations for you that i want you to reach i'm going to help you get there Mm. um and i'm not going to condemn you for not being there yet but I, i i would like you to try and get there i i think that's I'm okay with that. So, um, so are you, you're saying that a, a person would know that God loves them when they feel a sense of peace? Sure. So, so in, in situations where somebody is feeling a lot of stress and a lot of anxiety, does God love them during that time? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. What, why, why are they feeling um, stress and anxiety instead of peace then? There was, um, I think it was a, it was one of those things on the Mormon channel or on BYU TV, Hope Works, I think it was called. And they were talking about how to feel the spirit, even when you're depressed and how it's like a fog that depression is like a fog. It is. Yeah. And they were saying like, think back to all the times that you did feel the spirit and try and recall all the times that, that you felt God love that you felt God's love for you. And I think at least for me, as someone who, who does struggle with anxiety, I think that has always worked. So if I'm feeling anxious or depressed, I'll think of a time where I wasn't, where I felt peace. And then that feeling will often return and then I'll know that I'm okay. Yeah. Yeah. That's smart because the, the way that the way that um, our brains store memory is by emotion. Yeah. It, it's kind of like this filing system, um, like certain memories come up and then we feel the feelings that were associated with that experience that we had. So if you're mm-hmm. feeling anxious and you think back to a time where you felt uh, peaceful, just, just bringing up that recall in your mind will help create that sense of peace in your body. Nice. I, I'm, I'm curious though. Um, I, 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 I'll just tell you. What, what, what if God loves you all the time, whether you're able to feel it or not? Oh, I'm sure he does. Yeah. yeah. So that feeling of peace, is that, is that God's love or is that just your feeling peace? Like the, the, the cloud of depression for anxiety, uh, that, that's just stuff that's going on within your own psyche. Uh, the, the peace might also be stuff that's going on with your own psyche. Sure. Um, mm-hmm. the, the love of God might always be there um what regardless of what you're feeling yeah no totally (laughs) you just reminded me of something funny i I have a lot of friends that are atheists i was actually atheist for a while um and then decided not to be that was like two years ago but um i used to tell all my atheist friends in high school i'd be like god loves you whether you believe in him or not yeah and they'd always be like zach can you just shut up like (laughs) but I mean, it's true. I mean, he's definitely there, whether we can feel it or not. It's, um, 
Yeah, I like that. It's like do, a present. Do you think you said he? Do you, you think God is a he? I think so. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I I like the whole heavenly father, heavenly mother dichotomy thing. I oh man, that was something else they said in conference. They said don't talk about heavenly mother. Hmm. Yeah. Um, and 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 I know why too. Uh, I was talking about it with a friend. We're like, we think it's because if you talk about Heavenly Mother, then the brethren are worried that you'll put an S on the end of mother and you'll start hypothesizing about how many Heavenly Mothers there are. Um, oh, and so it'll bring up, it'll raise the ugly head of polygamy again. Right. Yeah. So, and they don't want that. Um, but um, yeah, no, I, I think, I think God is a dude. I think um, that feels right to me because I've got a dad and I've got a mom for me personally, like maybe it's different for somebody else. Um, maybe he takes different forms for people that, that need it um, for me. Cause I've got a parent, uh, you know, a mom and a dad, that's what resonates with me. Um, but maybe it's different for somebody else. I mean, who knows, you know? <clears throat> so, yeah. I will say, here's the interesting thing. I mean, we talk about this whole like kingdoms thing from before uh, and God's love and what it really is. I think it's possible. I, I, <laughs> here's one doctrine I agree with. I think it's possible for God to be loving and stern at the same time. Like I think of my own dad um, and how he parented growing up. It was, he was very loving, but also he didn't put up with any of our crap. Hmm. And, um, there, this is just a funny anecdote. Um, we're driving down the road and we had managed to ruin Christmas for the second year in a row by just being brats. Was that dad, you that did that? I was wondering. Oh yeah. It was me. Yeah, Christmas was totally ruined for me that year. I didn't know that was your fault. <laughs> yeah, no, we were horrible. <laughs> we were, oh man. Um, so many ruined. stories about you. Yeah. So we're driving down the road and we turn around, we were going to go, I don't know, to some Christmas show or something. And we didn't go, we turn around, go home. And my dad's like, Merry Christmas kids. And my little sister pipes up. She goes, we can still make it a Merry Christmas. Mm. <laughs> but at the same time, you know, we got home, my dad made us some hot chocolate. And so we didn't get to go see the Christmas show, which whatever. I mean, my, my childhood was not totally ruined because of that. We didn't get to go see it, but we had a nice memory at home. We had some hot chocolate. And so even though my dad brought the hammer down and enacted a consequence, he still loved us and did something nice for us when we got back. I, I think that's probably what God's like. Hmm. Um, to say that God is completely 100%, like just, oh yeah, do whatever you want. Like, I, I don't know if that's, I, I think we have to be careful with that because it's, it's really easy. Like I, I have heard people say like, God's cool. If you kill people, like it's, we got to draw the line somewhere, you know? <laughs> like, well, why doesn't God step in and prevent that from happening? I don't know. Agency. Because, Like you said with your dad, like he'll lay down the law and he'll, he'll step in and say, okay, enough is enough. I'm not going to let you, you know, he wouldn't let you get away with your shit. Right. Right. But yeah. Like this God yeah, I've never understood that. I mean, the growing up, you know, we were always told it was people have their agency, but there's been a lot of things that have happened in the last couple of years. I'm just like, dude, where were you? Like, what's, yeah. what are you doing? You know, <laughs> like, 
no, no, no disrespect intended, but uh, yeah. Um, I mean, I mean, I don't know how much divine intervention is permitted or if there is such a thing, but mm. it'd sure be nice if there were. Mm. Um, Why would it be nice? Well, it would make things easier, but maybe life isn't supposed to be easy. So Satan's plan was the way to go. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> Not going to lie. I, I think it would have made a lot of things easier, <laughs> but... Uh... Maybe, maybe it would have been French. It's not too good. late to become a Satanist, is your <laughs> sister's saying in the car. <laughs> you can do well, it. I, I do know people that do that. Uh, Sarah would, <laughs> would be probably not on board with that. But um, yeah, I, I don't that's know. Not, that's not in your agreement? Like It's not okay <laughs> for you to become a Satanist? Probably not, no. Uh, I watch a lot of horror movies, though. That's as okay. close as I get. All right. <laughs> but... Yeah, I, I don't know. I, I don't think any of us really know who God is. I think that's the bottom line is, is every, everybody thinks they know. But I mean, everybody's version of God is different, even within the same religion. Yeah. Um, so who really knows? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I think that's that's why um, a, a lot of my shift is or a lot of my focus has shifted and changed over the years where I, I just I'm like, as I'm sitting here having this conversation with you and I'm asking you questions about what you believe, instead of arguing about things that, you know, I don't see that that way. Yeah. It's this way. You know, like, that's how I used to be. You're like, oh, you think it's that way? Well, but it's this way. Like, it, it makes more sense to be this way. I, I'm, I'm much more interested in finding out about you, like, by asking you these questions. And, you know, every once in a while, I'll throw in a little thing like, do you see the contradiction you're saying there? Just because I'm curious to see how you respond to it. Yeah. But, but it, it you're right. I, I think everybody has a different view of everything around them. And when we express that, it's going to be different than what other people think. And yeah. you can argue about it or you can be curious about it and get to know, like, what is like, what you, you experience things that I'm never going to experience. Yeah. Never. And I could learn from that. Wow. So, well, so, yeah, I, I, I agree. I don't think anybody knows who or what God is either, but everybody has a sense of it for themselves. And that's fascinating to me, whether you're an atheist or not, like you're Definitely. making it, you're, you're, you're making a stand about what you think on this issue. Yeah. Well, and that's one thing that's, that's so scary and exciting is for those of us that have decided to step away from the church in one way or another, then it's up to us to decide what we believe because we're not being told it anymore. Yeah. Um, so, you know, and, and talking with you tonight and I'll, I'll be frank with most people I talk with, I'm like, yeah, this is what it is. And this is what I, how I see the world and whatever. Um, but talking with you, it's, it's helped me realize I really don't know. Mm. Um, like I, I dug a lot deeper tonight and it's like, you know, there is a lot that I just, I believe it because it feels good, but I don't really have any proof of it. And that's what I accuse religious people of doing all the time. You believe this because it feels good to you, but you don't really know. And yet that's what I'm doing. <laughs> you know, like, I think it's what we're all doing though, Zach, because yeah. when, when you really ask yourself, like, what do you know? How do you know it? I think there's way more that we take on faith and assumption and just plain ignorance than anything yeah. that we really have a lot of solid direct knowledge for 
Um, and, and so getting comfortable in that space of uncertainty um, has been one of the greatest gifts of the Mormon faith crisis. <sighs> yeah. Well, I, I do have one last question that I, I'm still struggling with. I feel like there's some basic things, like basic good aspects of human nature that we should all agree on that over the last couple of years, I've seen people flush down the toilet. Like we're going to be rude to each other. We're going to fight over really stupid things. Like when um, uh, Will Smith slapped Chris Rock, I'm like, this is going to become political in three seconds. And then it did. I loved Um, that he did that. What? I loved it. I loved that. (laughs) Just boom, right there. But I I just, to me, it's like people there's basic, uh, like just being kind, you know, like I was listening to what Chris Rock said. And I'm like, dude, you can't say that. Like, I, I, I feel like as a, as a human race, we used to all agree more on what good behavior was. And now there's lots of people that are just like, I'm going to stand up for what I think is right. Even though it's like rudeness, um, is there a possibility that I'm wrong and that maybe it's okay to be rude sometimes like now i'm questioning everything after tonight like it's like is there some rude behavior that's justified you know i don't know well i think there's a difference between justified and socially acceptable and ah. the, the reason that I, I i i liked that will smith got up there and said okay so you're you're going to assault my wife in front of millions of people on tv yeah. with your words and ideas um, and that's going to be okay. But for me to get up and slap my hand across your face, that's where we're having an outrage, you know, well like, said. yeah, w- sure. there, there's, there's violence that's going on, on, yeah. on both sides. And one of them is socially acceptable. That's just become part of our culture. It's okay to stand up and make fun of somebody to their face and everybody yeah. will laugh and pretend like it didn't hurt someone. And yeah, you know, I, I, I do think that things like that are going to change. Um, but not yet because people seem to think that Will Smith was way out of line for doing that. Right. And, you know, I mean, I, I'm not saying he should have done it. Um, I, but I'm kind of glad that it, it makes this comparison, at least for me in my mind, as I'm thinking about it, like what is the difference between physically assaulting somebody and emotionally and verbally doing that? Um, Yeah. Well, maybe, maybe members of the church who are really dogmatic that see homosexuality as an existential threat, maybe that's how they perceive it as now I'm going to get in trouble for saying this. I disagree with this thought, but maybe they, they see it as, as an emotional, spiritual threat. Like it actually harms people. Like they believe that. I think they Um, do. I think a lot do. Yeah. I mean, they're wrong, but uh, it's, you know, they feel that, 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 uh, but it goes back to what we said earlier. We're, we're raised in the church. We're taught certain things. We're taught not to question. We're taught just to accept. And yeah, so that's what happens. And they're told in these conference talks and others over and over again that this is the big evil in the world now. But I, I, I think a lot of people have struggled over this because they're like, that doesn't feel right to me. No. And it is kind of a litmus test. Um, it's this little spur in the side that, yeah, um, makes you choose. Like, am I going to choose loving people, which is what the Savior's message is supposed to be, or am I going to choose um, 
vilifying them and saying that I love them. Right. This is so horrible. I, I can leave you with this if you want. I, I, uh, I saw a meme the other day and it, it cracked me up and I chose not to share it on social media. I have to be so careful. Um, just the nature of what I do for a living. I'd be really careful, but um, it, it, it was uh, Christ is on the cross and there are these two people down there and they're talking and the first guy goes, what, what's he in for? And the second guy says, he told everybody to be kind. And the first guy goes, no, nope, that'll do it. Yeah. So I like that. It's a good. Meeting. Yeah. Sums it up. Yeah. All right, Zach. Well, thanks for reaching out. I like talking with you. You ever want to do it again? You know how to get old. Thank you. This was, this was really eye opening. I appreciate it. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Just, I'm going to go watch the Suns game. Enjoy. All right. <laughs> okay. Talk to you later, Jeff. See you. Goodbye. Put down the weapons that you use against yourself. You don't need them anymore. Hey there. Thanks for listening all the way to the end. Now, I really hope that you enjoyed today's episode. I have more to say about this topic, and I'm going to do that with a follow-up behind-the-scenes sharing time episode on Patreon. So... If you're in a position where you can throw me a few dollars each month to support the work that I put into creating this podcast, please come and support me on Patreon, where you'll also get access to additional content. Did you know that I also create sharing time episodes that are available only to Patreon subscribers? I've been doing that for a few years, so there's a lot of content there that you can have access to. So please come and support this podcast if you can. I greatly appreciate it. Hi, this is Hillary, Matthew, Ryan, Carol, Keith, Ashley, and I like to play bingo online while listening to Infants on Thrones. You can comment on this episode on the website, infantsonthrones.com. And if you really like what you hear, give the quorum a five-star rating and write a short review on iTunes. I did. I did. I did. Anyone for the closing prayer? My worst crime is an inside job. Dark thoughts taking over like an inside mob. I tune him to the scene between the eyes. And take a breath. Thank you for listening to Infants on Front. I sit still and watch the thoughts flow past me. Never mind the future, never mind what the past be. I like to jump and let the universe catch me. Three, four, watch the beauty blow past me. I keep my pockets like destination in sight. Keep my actions elevated to compassionate heights. I'm walking past the fight, laying down on such a night. Choosing love when I pick up this mic. All right, let's give this a shot. This is from thechurchnews.com, which everyone should know, the church is the Mormon church. I mean, you don't even have to say Mormon. You don't have to say Latter-day Saints. You can just call it the church. I mean, it's the church. So thechurchnews.com, Elder Tad R. Callister. And I think that Tad, I think that Tad is actually Todd. Really, I mean, I, I think somebody in Boston was saying Tad, and they just wrote it down as Tad, and it became a name. So I, I don't think that Tad is like a legitimate name. I think it's a bastardization of Todd. I'm pretty sure. I, I, I think I haven't fasted to see for sure, but I do feel a pretty strong burning in my bosom or somewhere about it. So Elder Tad R. Tad. Callister uh, wrote this article called "A Fence at the Bo- Wait, a fence at the top, or an ambulance at the bottom." Mm-hmm. All right, Tad. Tad says, 
If you were asked, what is the greatest challenge facing our nation today? How would you respond? The economy, national security, immigration, gun control, poverty, racism, crime, pandemics, climate change. You know, what's funny, uh, Tad, I, like all of those things are legitimate challenges that are facing the nation today, but my, the, the one at the top of my list is um, that um, people in this country don't really know the power that they have <laughs> in their own bodies, in their own minds. So it's a kind of ignorance um, that, that we do things that create conflict just within our own psyche, within our own beings. We create disharmony and uh, we don't have peace in our own hearts. That's what I would say is the greatest challenge facing our nation today. Um, but anyway, I digress. Let's go back to, to Tad. While each of these is a valid concern and deserves attention, I haven't read this, by the way. I'm going into this cold, so I, I hope he doesn't say what I just said, because then I'm going to feel dumb. Okay, uh, while each of these is a valid concern and deserves attention, I do not believe that any of them strikes at the heart of our greatest challenge. A return to family and moral values. To put our prime focus on other challenges is to strike at the leaves, not the root. I do agree with that. Not the root of the problem. It is, as some have noted, to put an ambulance, ambulance at the bottom of the cliff rather than a fence at the top. Okay, I guess that's clever. You're putting an ambulance at the bottom of the cliff rather than a fence up. Okay. The family, a proclamation to the world, confirms the essentiality of the family unit to the well-being of society. It just confirms it, you guys. The family is ordained of God. Marriage between man and woman is essential to his eternal plan. <laughs> the proclamation then warns warning us you guys that the disintegration of the family will bring upon individuals communities and nations the calamities foretold by ancient and modern prophets end quote and then concludes quote we call upon responsible citizens and officers of government everywhere to promote those measures designed to maintain and strengthen the family as the fundamental unit of society end quote it was the year 1833 the first president of the church had been reorganized. The first presidency, I am meant to say. Composed of Joseph Smith, the prophet, Sidney Rigdon, first counselor, and Frederick G. Williams, second counselor. I don't know why I'm doing this voice. It just sounds like fun. One might wonder what new truths, what divine disclosures, what breathtaking insights would be revealed to this newly called first presidency. Certainly, glorious truths were revealed. See Doctrine and Covenants 93. I wonder, I wonder if I really did go to Doctrine and Covenants 93 if I would see uh, glorious truths being revealed there. But the climax of this revelation focused on the basics of the gospel, for in essence, each of these men was instructed to... I don't know if I could even keep reading this. Ah... I, it's just this rigidity. It's, there's so much rigidity and uh, 
lack of imagination in here, from my perspective, from what I can see. Sorry, Tad. Anyway, the message to these men likewise applies to all of us. We must first set in order our homes to have a prosperous society. Yeah, I agree with that, but I, I, I think the home to set in order is your own mind, your own ability to be flexible, to be accepting, to be compassionate, to be loving, not to rigidly uh, stick to your own way of seeing things without... I'm starting to get a little worked up here. And I've got power inside of my body to control how I feel. And um, I really don't want to work myself up in things like this. So let's see. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm doing this in preparation to have a conversation tonight with Zach. And uh, Zach uh, came on a couple months ago as a millennial Pimo, he's back, and I just cannot stomach any of this stuff from Ted R. McAllister, so I'm just going to push pause now, and uh, I'll wait for my conversation tonight with Zach. How's that? How's that? Are you okay with that? Do you agree? Anybody listening? Anyone there? Hello? Thank you for listening to Infants on Thrones. Infants on Thrones.